Open your Bibles again to Psalm 19. Psalm 19 and in verse 7. Where do you turn to find wisdom in life? Where do you turn to find healing for your soul? Where do you turn to mend your broken heart? Sam was a different person before returning from Iraq. He's distant from his wife and children and often explodes in rage at the slightest provocation. Where should he turn for help? Carla is a mom in her late 30s, and she just is having difficulty raising her children since she split from her husband. They are unruly, and she's at her wit's end. Where can she go for counsel? John and Sarah struggle to make ends meet with two children in college and a third child with chronic health problems, and it's taking a toll on their marriage. Where can they get guidance for their marriage to survive? Joel is a young adult that has been recently jaded by this life. He lived it up in his 20s, but now he's entering his 30s and he knows there's something missing in life. Where does he go to find it? In all these situations today, I declare that you can turn to the word of God for help. That you can turn to the word of God for comprehensive care for your soul. This is why David penned Psalm 19. David knew that he did not have all the answers to the struggles of his heart. He knew that he had no hope in dealing with the pain over his sin or the pain of being sinned against and just suffering in this life. But he knew where to turn to. He knew where to run. Do you? Where do you run when you face difficulties? Is the first thing you do is to Google your problem and see what the answers are? Is it to call a family friend? Or maybe it's to go to Barnes & Noble through the self-help aisle and hopefully find a book. Or do you have a different approach to handling your problems? Do you, do, do you try to distract yourself from your problems uh, with staying busy with household work or binging on Netflix and sports? Do you hope that a vacation will open your mind and the time of trouble will just disappear? One of the most important questions in your life is this. How do you find rest for your soul? How do you calm your anxious and weary heart. Because this answer will tell you today what or who controls your heart. And whoever has your heart has your life. King David faced numerous difficulties and challenges in life. His best friend's dad tried to take his life. His family members doubted his uh, wisdom and his knowledge. His sons betrayed him. He was in constant war and hiding and he saw his children harm one another. David also inflicted wounds upon himself with getting a big head in his numerous success. He committed adultery, and he ended up killing one of his trusted soldiers. He knew the depths of the destruction of the human heart and how far it will go. In the midst of King David wrestling with his soul, wrestling with his sin, wrestling with the burden of suffering, on his account and the account of others, he knew where to turn to for help. 
And Psalm 19 shows us that King David turned to God and turned to his word. He did not turn inward. No self-reliance or self-belief was going to get him out of this hole. He didn't turn outward to various counselors or practitioners of his day. He turned upwards to the one who created him, to the one who knew him. Why? Why did he turn to God's word? John Piper states this, God understands you better than anyone else. He knows how to help you get to be the way that you are and how they are affected by their surroundings. God understands society and groups perfectly. God knows all the facts about the, how the world works. God knows the future and everything that will come out. God is wiser than any wise writer. He's more caring than any counselor. He's more creative than any poet or artist. It simply stands to reason that what God says will be more useful to you than anyone else in this universe, than anything else they may have to offer. And so I'm testifying today, and King David does too, that God's word works. God's word saves you and restores you. God's word gives you wisdom uh, to the unwise, and God's word gives you everlasting joy. Psalm 19 was most likely added towards the end of the, uh, when the Psalms were put together. Some uh, biblical scholars believe that this probably was at the end of his life that King David penned this. So he recognized all the highs and the lows of his life experiencing numerous victories and defeats, and he had wisdom and knowledge and understanding through lived experience. And so he would be able to give us a clear understanding of how to carry on in life. And what David says is that God's word is sufficient. God's word is accurate. God's word is all that we need. It's our source of strength, and it can be for us as well today. The New Testament corroborates this. Two passages I'm just going to read to you. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Peter also attests to this in 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Ed uh, Buckley describes this passage as this. God has indeed provided every essential truth the believer needs to be happy, fulfilling in Christ Jesus. It's a belief that God has not left us lacking in any sense. The Apostle Peter states it emphatically. Note the word everything. God has provided absolutely everything that man needs for physical and spiritual life. Every essential truth, every essential principle, every essential technique for solving human non-medical problems as delivered in God's word. And that's what I want you guys to grasp today. One of our core values is biblical authorities. And an offshoot of that is the sufficiency of the word of God. And I want you to see that this psalm, Psalm 19, is one of the best psalms attesting to that God's word is sufficient for all of life. For all of life. Let's go ahead and look at verse 7. What is God's, how does God's word work? It gives us new life. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. 
God's word is flawless. It's without error. It's not misleading. It's sound. It's consistent and genuine. The word of God is blameless, seamless, complete. And what does the perfect word do? It revives the soul. That word revive was used for in da- by David in Psalm 23 when he says that the Lord restores my soul. The soul is the essence of your being. The soul is who you are. And the word of God restores us. This word could refer to a house that is tattered or mangled, that is so broken down that it's unlivable. And what David is saying is that the word of God is able to restore this, to revive this, to bring it back to life. Our souls are like this in this world. We are crushed by the troubles that are outside of us. We are crushed by the difficulties in life. Our souls are also like this because we are crushed by the sin that lives within us. We desperately need for our souls to be restored back to God, and God revives our dead souls. The Word of God takes those that are blinded by sin, blinded by Satan, blinded by the cares of the world, and gives new life to us. Even those we think are too far off. Take, for example, Pastor Afshin Ziafet. Uh, I went to a conference uh, a couple of years ago called the Cross Conference in Kentucky, and he has spoken there before. Afshin Ziafet uh, grew up in a devout Muslim home in Iran, taught the five pillars of Islam, and told him that if he did this good enough, maybe he would enter into heaven. He came to America during the Islamic Revolution, spoke only Farsi, no English at all, but In God's incredible plan, he had a Christian lady who tutored him in English, teaching him every day to read books. When he was in second grade, his Christian English teacher planted the seed of the Word of God, and she said this, I want to give you the most important book that you will ever read in life. She handed him a small New Testament. She asked him to hold on to it until he was older. Ten years later, when he was a senior in high school, he did open that New Testament to the book of Romans. And in the third chapter, he was completely changed by the words. Uh, Romans 3.23, he was so surprised that righteousness came to all who believe. Him being a Muslim, and it was so hard for him to come to understand that God's word was even for him. You see, God's word saved him to the fact now he's a pastor of a church in Texas. He saved him even in the fact that his parents, because he converted from Islam to Christianity, rejected him. But God's word did the work. You see, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the word of Christ. It revives the soul. It gives us new life. But not only that. That word, that phrase for reviving the soul can also be the word restore strength and vitality. There's a sense here that the word of the Lord is our spiritual food. Remember what Jesus said when he was tempted in the wilderness and he quoted scripture and said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Scriptures are bread and meat For Christ and the scriptures are bread and meat for the Christians. Is it for you? Is God's word your bread and meat? Is the Bible what sustains you, what gives you nutrients in life? Or are you on a low-carb vegan diet from the word of God? Is it not even penetrating? 
Have you bought into the lie that you can get satisfaction from things outside of him? Have you bought into the lie that you can get joy from money, joy from uh, uh, a promotion, joy from a relationship, joy from accolades? You see, the word of God has the power to transform, and I have seen it in my life. In my counseling ministry, the limited time I've been able to be in it, I have seen the word of God, not the messenger of the word, the word of God, not some techniques, has transformed lives. I have seen marriages restored by couples clinging to the word of God. I've seen addicts break free from their addiction by following the commandments of the Lord. I've seen those carrying the weights of the world upon their shoulders with anxiety and depression find peace through God's word. I've seen men who are in a battle with pornography be delivered from this domination. God's word works. It works. And I want this word to work in your life as well. Now, I want you to understand, this wasn't just this, read this Bible verse and your problems will go away. This wasn't this shotgun approach of, let me just sprinkle scriptures and hopefully you'll get it. No, this was intensive, meditative contemplation and commitment to understanding the word of God and to living it out. His word works. His word revives the soul. Not only that, God's word, as David says, the tes- um, revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The testimony of the word is sure, making wise the simple. Sure means it's reliable and trustworthy, not fake or fraudulent. The word of God is dependable. That word sure is Hebrew expresses the basic concept of support. It's used in the sense of the strong arms of a parent supporting a helpless baby. I want you to picture that. I picture my son in my arms and when he was a newborn, I'm supporting all his weight, holding on to him tightly. The word of God is like that in our lives. How does God's word support our lives? Makes wise the simple. A simple person is one who is easily led gullible, sometimes naive, and lacks understanding. And let me just say this very clearly. We are all very simple people without God. We are. Maybe you don't want to admit it, but I will admit it. I am a simple person that lacks understanding without God, that lacks full understanding of myself, God, and others. I struggle in my life with lack of wisdom. I still struggle in my marriage that I know I should dwell with my wife according to knowledge, but I'm like fix-it Felix. I want to solve all the problems. When she says something, I want to solve it. Give my solution. I need God's wisdom. I struggle as a parent because too many times I want to rise up my kids. I want to get them nice and rowdy, and the Bible tells me that I should not provoke them and make them anxious, exasperate them. I still struggle with that. We struggle in so many areas, and we need to recognize that we need God's word because we lack wisdom. We lack the ability to make the right decision at the right time for the right reason. We get this from our ancestors, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve thought they had it all. They had the wisdom and the knowledge. They thought that God was holding out on them, so in their wisdom, they denied God. They thought they could be better than them. This is why Solomon says in Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And notice this, do not lean on your own understanding. Why does he say this? 
Because he knows we naturally lean on our own understanding. We naturally lean on our own abilities. But we are naive and we're easily led to cares of this world and not living according to God's word. We just lack understanding and we need this. We need wisdom in life. We need wisdom to know how to raise a teen in the ever-changing world where they're bombarded with messages about their identity, their sexuality, and their purpose in life. We need wisdom on how to respond to our bosses and our coworkers, um, in whether it's manipulation or explosive anger. We need wisdom on how to fight life's dominating sin in our life, like addictions and pornography and alcoholism. We need wisdom. We need guidance on how to handle our money. We need wisdom on how to handle temptations in our life. We all need wisdom because we haven't arrived in life. In order to glorify God, we must get his guidance, and we get this from his word. You see, we need wisdom that is from above, as James says in uh, chapter 3, verse 17, that is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, and sincere. We don't need the world's wisdom. The world's wisdom is focused on man being at the center. The world's wisdom is focused on be true to yourself. Do what makes you feel good. Treat yourself. You deserve it. The world's wisdom is not working. And our God, who is all wise, has given us a manual that is actually relevant now for us. And let me explain to you with two examples. Just recently, articles I read this week of the world's wisdom. One of them is this. Instagram, a company of Facebook, uh, article just came out that just recently in the fall that they have a problem with body shaming for teenage girls. The report is this. Instagram has a body image issue worse for teen girls. One in three girls uh, in the study and one in a Facebook study of teenage girls found that 40% of them said they felt unattractive based on what they saw on the app. One teenager's response to the survey about this was this. I felt like my body wasn't good enough. Even though I did go to the gym a lot, my body still never looked like the bodies of the influencers. This is Emily, a 20-year-old who's currently really recovering with the eating disorder. So what's the world's wisdom? This past week, a school in Mississippi who was grieved by this problem with girl body issues decided to take matters into their own hands. Counselors of South Haven Middle School applied their worldly wisdom to this problem. And I want to read this to you to see what they said, how to solve this issue. Female body image is a desire to adhere to ideal body shape. Girls are more likely than boys to have this negative image. And this may lead them to have unrealistic social and cultural beauty ideas. Negative body image may lead to low self-esteem, eating disorders, and depression. Now, here is what they said in a letter that they mailed to all middle school parents of girls 10 to 14 years of age. We, the counselors of South Haven Middle School, would like to have an opportunity to offer some healthy literature to your daughter on maintaining a body image. And we're also providing, get this, shapewear and other health products to make them applicable. Wait, did you, did you hear that? 
You're going to give them shapewear with girls that are struggling with body image issues. That's your idea. That's your wisdom that you're doing. So you think that's going to help my teenage girl do that? Naturally, the parents were outraged. I'm thinking now, in five years, my daughter is going to be in middle school, and would I give her that counsel? Oh, Layla, if you don't like your body image, let mommy and daddy go buy you some shapewear so you feel more confident in yourself. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? No, but God's word has wisdom. This is what I would say to her, Proverbs 31.30. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. That's what I would say to her. You don't need to worry about what they think. It's what God thinks of you. What else would I say to her? Psalm 139.14. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God does not make junk. This is the world's wisdom, but it doesn't stop there. Let me give you another example. This is an article from Wall Street Journal a couple weeks ago. The article's headline is this, Children Outwit Parental Controls. For the past three years, this is actually funny, the dad in this article's name is Lance Walker. (laughs) So Lance, maybe you, Kylie, in the future, I would die when I saw this. Here's what the article says. Lance Walker has been locked in a cat-and-mouse game with his 11-year-old daughter for control over her iPhone and iPad. Initially, he considered TikTok a harmless thing that she'd go on, find trends, and post dancing videos. But then he became to discover that adult men she didn't know were were commenting on her public videos. He quickly went into Apple parental controls to block access to the app. His daughter countered and changed her Apple ID and downloaded TikTok again. The parents changed the ID back and they went back and forth, back and forth with her phone. It continued like this for a month. And here's what he said. Uh, Walker, 43-year-old real estate broker in Johnstown, Colorado, said this. We tried to block it seven, several times. It was a nightmare. And he said that his wife and him are still working on what they describe as a reliable way to keep her off TikTok. Do you hear this nonsense? The parents are trying to figure out a reliable way to keep her off TikTok, but they don't want what to do, and it's a back and forth. And this is in the Wall Street Journal as wisdom for what to do. What should the parents do? Are you kidding me, world's wisdom? God's wisdom, children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for it is right. Honor your mother and father. This is what I would say to my daughter. Honor me because I am trying to protect you from the evil that's out there. That's God's wisdom. Fathers, oh, this daddy, he doesn't know what to do back and forth. Be a man. Be a man. Be a dad. Protect your daughter. Do something about it. Bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Take away the phone. It's not a rite of passage to protect your daughter, but this is the world's wisdom that we have. But God gives us his wisdom. It's all found in here, everything that's pertaining to life. You see, the world's wisdom says this about marriage problems. The world says it's time for you to separate because your wife doesn't meet your eye, catch your eye anymore. The Bible says to husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. 
You may have difficulty with forgiving a church member who has hurt you emotionally. What should you do? Well, the world says that, hey, you have a right to be angry. You have a right to do anything you want. No, the Bible says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. You're facing trials. The world says, oh, hopefully just hold on and wish it may go away. Hold on to what? No. Who will separate you from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Nothing will separate you from the love of God. God's word gives us his wisdom. He gives us his knowledge and understanding. Cling to his word. Then also, I want to finish here today. The precepts, verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Psalm 19 was written by David, most likely at the end of his life, and the end of a long, successful, and yet painful life. And he says that the rules, the statues, the precepts of the Lord are right. They are correct. They are appropriate. They give one joy. David would have known about this. He would have known about the need for joy because he was in it a lot in difficulty. He was there when Saul tried to pin him back to a wall with a spear. He had to run away and flee to a cave when his son Absalom tried to take over the throne. He did. He, he faced all this. And, and what does David say? Let me just quote for you a couple scriptures. What David said about how the word of God helped him in this. Psalm 119.19 says this, I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. Verse 25, my soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Verse 28, my soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. And notice, he gets relief from the word of God. Psalm 1950, this is my comfort in my affliction, that your promises gives me life. 92, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. 93, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. And 111, your testimonies are my heritage, for they are my joy, the joy of my heart. Where do you go to find joy? Where do you go to find peace and satisfaction? Where do you go to find hope? It's not a new spouse, it's not a new job, not buying a new car. Where are you going to find this peace? It's not going to be getting another stimulus check. It's not going to be when your team wins a championship. It's not having obedient kids. Where do you go to find this hope? It's found here in the word because it connects you to the Savior that knows your soul. That's where you go to find true everlasting joy. You see, church family, the word of God saves and restores. The word of God gives wisdom to the unwise. And the word of God gives everlasting joy. And we want to praise him today and thank the Lord for his wonderful word that he's given to us. That he's not left us without instruction. And we should be thankful for reading of scripture and it being preached. And we should adore it. But if you leave this sermon just, oh, I love God's word. It's so good. And it doesn't change you and move you. Then we have problems. You need to ask yourself some questions this year about how is God's word working in your life? How is God's word making a difference in your life? How is God's word showing up and showing out in your life? 
Did you regress or progress in 2021? How often, because of God's word being preached and you reading it, have you shared the gospel this year? Is his word working? Who was walking more with God because of your influence this year? Is God's word making a difference in your life? Are you faithfully fighting sin in your life? Are you faithfully serving in your local church? Is God's word making a difference in your life? Do you have someone that you need to forgive? And who are you living for? We have a wonderful word that God has given us. Is it making a difference in your life? The all-sufficient word from the king. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much again for this day. I thank you, Lord, for your word, that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, you tell us to hide your word in our hearts that we may not sin against you. And your word, it, it gives us hope and peace. And that's what I'm praying for us today, that we would have a renewed desire, not just to quickly go through the scriptures, but to study it, to meditate it upon a day and night so that we can drink deeply from you because you give us everlasting peace and joy and comfort. We thank you for this day in your name. Amen.